All right, good afternoon, everybody, for joining us for Automate Everything session. And give yourself a round of applause for being here in a great numbers, day number one of reInvent. Awesome, so my name is Sanjay Garche. I lead the technical business development of AWS Service Catalog and AWS Control Tower, and I have my colleagues here with me. Hello, everyone, my name is Ken Walsh. I am a solution architect with AWS. I work with um, Control Tower, Marketplace, and Service Catalog, and I work out of the Northeast. Hey, everybody, I'm a senior director of engineering at GoDaddy, lead our cloud center of excellence. Afternoon, everybody, I'm Jared Bocamp. Uh, senior development manager at GoDaddy, and I run our development uh, experience team that uh, actually is in charge of onboarding to AWS. All right, thank you, gentlemen. So they'll be joining us on stage one by one as we go through the agenda. So I'm just going to kick things off here for the next 15 minutes or so. We're going to go through the agenda. The first 15 minutes, I'm going to focus on why automate and what to automate, right? So I'm going to build a foundation on which Ken, Kathan, and Jared are going to come here and they're going to build on that. Ken is going to do a demo on how to automate things, and then Kathan will kind of walk us through the journey GoDaddy took over the last year and a half to accelerate their, their migration into AWS Cloud, as well as automating their operations at GoDaddy scale. So there's a lot to learn and a lot, uh, lot of good stuff that GoDaddy team is going to be sharing with us, so hang in there for that. And then at the end, if we get time, we'll try and do Q&A. If we run out of time, there is a Ask the Expert Management and Governance booth at Expo, and we'll also be hanging out at the outside here after the session, so please find us there. So with that, let's kick in. Why automate, right? So why are we here? If we look at the journey into the cloud, the, these are the primary drivers, right? And the one that I really like is the innovate faster. How do we innovate faster, right? For me, that means you gotta do lots and lots of experiments, and you should be able to fail fast, recover fast, and that way you can learn from those and try and do things quicker, right? So if that's our model, if we look at the, just the simple things as configuring a VPC, configuring a network ACL, right, things like that, these are lots of manual steps, right? And if you have to fail fast and experiment fast, well, this is not the model, right? So one aspect is manual is not going to get you there in innovating faster. So that's one aspect. What's the other aspect, right? So I come from software engineering background, so I call myself a builder. Uh, how many of you are just quick show of, hand, uh, quick show of hands uh, come from software engineering, like builder's background? All right, lots of folks out there. So we are trained in our profession that if you haven't written a line of code, and if you haven't built features and functionality that you have delivered to your customers, you haven't really added value, right? Because there are folks who may have worked on projects where maybe you worked on something for six months, but it never saw the day of the light. It was never deployed in production, and we all think that's a bad thing. That's our mindset, right? So we want to deploy things quickly. We want to drive change. Now, I've also spent time in operations in my career, so how many of you here are from the cloud administration, system administration, operations background? Awesome. How many of those have, uh, you carry pages today? All right, so there's a few folks here who carry pages. Those who carry pages have, have, or have carried pages in the past, 
how many of you got paged on Thanksgiving or on a holiday, right? I've, if you carry pager, that's Murphy's Law, bad things are gonna happen, especially when you're on call during that holiday time frame, right? So when you get that page in the middle of the night, what, what, what's your brain training you, right? Unwanted, untested changes are not good. So your mindset, right, and when I played that role, including my mindset is to minimize the untested, unproven, unapproved changes to production. So if you look at the builder side of the house where they want to keep promoting changes to production versus the system administration, the cloud administration side of the house, they really don't want to, you know, just willy-nilly put things in production. So there's a natural conflict of interest. So how do you solve and address those two key stakeholders of your organization? And this is where we believe automation can help you balance the needs of the both, both of the stakeholders, right? You can have the agility for developers, but at the same time, you can have the governance and compliance for your cloud administration. So how do we get there? So that's what we're gonna focus on for the next 45 minutes or so. So what to automate, right? So if we look at, AWS has 165 services and counting by end of this week. Uh, who knows how many new will be released. So, but to kind of keep our mental model simple, we're gonna focus on these three aspects of cloud, right? So first is enable. Enable focuses on enabling your landing zone, your day one in, in the cloud. Next aspect is provision which is provisioning resources into cloud, how do you automate those? And then the last piece that I'm gonna cover is the operations. So once you have your landing zone, you're able to provision resources in cloud, what do you then kinda, of, how do you operate in that, right? So that's the model we're gonna cover. So in terms of enablement, right? So enablement is your getting your landing zone created or automated on day one. So what's the day one look like, right? At Amazon, we have saying it's always a day one, meaning there's always something new, innovating, disrupting you could be doing to help your customers, right? So in your own organization, even though you might be the AWS expert, there's still new developers that are joining your team, that are joining your company. There may be new business units who are about to you know, go on to the cloud journey, and you're, you have the expertise, but how do you kind of share those expertise with those teams and enable their cloud journey on the right step, right? So they're starting with, on that journey with the right foot forward. Well, this is where, how many of you are familiar with multi-account approach? Okay, good. So from my software engineering standpoint, I call this a design pattern, right? We said, you know what? If you're gonna have multiple teams working in cloud, it's probably gonna, one account is not gonna cut it. You will need to have multiple accounts. And when it comes to multiple accounts, how should you structure that, right? So we said, your journey should start with AWS organization, right? So that's where you're gonna use uh, to create a bunch of organization units, and you're gonna structure those for security and uh, log archive and things like that, right? So once you have you know, your workload-based accounts, so maybe each workload has set of dev stage production, pre-performance, things like that, Developers may have their own sandboxes, right? So with this sort of setup, if you have to have you know, just the centralized logging, that means you have to put a lot of plumbing in place to get all those log files from all those accounts into a centralized log archive account, right? The next thing you need to worry about is the network connectivity. 
right? So you may have still something running on-prem, and your various workloads that are running in all these different accounts may still need to have access to that on-prem infrastructure, right? So there's that plumbing you need to put in to make sure the right accounts can talk to the right on-prem infrastructure. Well, so that's why if you look at the multi-account approach, we give you this as the, the reference architecture, and then we also gave you a reference implementation which we called AWS Landing Zone, right? And what we call it, if you clone it, then you own it, right? So we gave you a reference solution, you can download it, and you can start running it in your, into your account, but then once you run that infrastructure, you have to support it because it's not a natively supported AWS service, right? So this is where, to automate all that undifferentiated heavy lifting, we launched AWS Control Tower earlier this summer, in June 2019, at Boston, right? They reinforced the 2019, the first security conference AWS did. What Control Tower does, it essentially takes all that multi-account approach design principle, and it automates provisioning of all your multiple accounts the security, the log archive, all that infra infra infrastructure is automated in less than 90 minutes, right? So when you have that day one at your company, even though you might be you know, AWS experts and have been using it for, for a few years, there's still new teams, new workloads that, that needs new AWS accounts, and AWS Control Tower can be your automation framework mechanism to set up that landing zone, right? So what does Control Tower help you with? It helps you set up your landing zone. It helps you create a uh, centralized SSO for single sign-on. It also helps you establish various guardrails. So what's a guardrail? So guardrail is this AWS best practices that you and I have come to know and learn and appreciate over the period of time. We are taking all that knowledge, putting it at, as a um, out-of-box functionality so you can enable those guardrails across your AWS account footprint, all managed by Control Tower, right? And then last but not the least, the other important thing there is having a footprint of AWS accounts on day one, it only gets you started, right? But on day two, day 30, month number two, you still have new team members coming in, you still have new workloads that you need to deploy, and at that time you can use Account Factory, the functionality that's provided by AWS Control Tower, along with AWS Service Catalog, to automate new account creation, right? So again, the theme for today is automation. And when I talk to our customers, there's still customers out there that takes you know, upwards of two weeks or even months to create a new AWS account. So simply by enabling and adopting AWS Control Tower, you can automate and eliminate all that undifferentiated heavy lifting and wait period, right? And the other thing that Control Tower offers you is a continuous dashboard. So once you set up your pristine environment and your guardrails, it also offers you a, a visibility dashboards to see which resources are in compliance or which are not in compliance, right? So this is how you can enable your landing zone creation on day one and automate that using AWS Control Tower. So the next part of our theme is provisioning, right? So once you have an empty account, and it might be pristine, but if you turn that to your developers and if they start creating resources that are less than you know, optimized or not following your company's best practices, you still haven't achieved your outcome. And this is where provisioning will help you. We're gonna dive deep into that. So how many of you are already familiar with CloudFormation? 
great. So CloudFormation is AWS's infrastructure as a code service. And you can write a simple JSON or YAML template. Anything that pretty much you can create in AWS, you can write that as infrastructure, as a code, and run that template. So once you instantiate that template, that becomes a stack. And that stack is essentially the collection of running resources in your AWS account. Right? So this is how you can automate creation of something in AWS using simple, as a simple tool as AWS CloudFormation. And once you're uh, changing something in that, the changes of that, you can preview those using the functionality called as change set. Right? So this is just 100-level foundation that I expect many of you to know already. So this is great for one account, as you as the cloud admin or the platform architect. But what happens when you, you know, your account usage grows and you have multiple teams, multiple you know, workloads that needs to be onboarded in different number of accounts? So this is where AWS CloudFormation stack set can really help you. So if you want to run a certain infrastructure in multiple accounts or multiple regions, you can run the same template using stack sets in multiple accounts, multiple regions, and get that infrastructure provision, right? So this is how you can now start to automate your infrastructure provisioning across multiple accounts, multiple regions. But this is really good when it comes to you as the cloud custodian, you are doing things. But as soon as you have to give those best practices to your rest of the organization, because that's where the impact comes in, how do you take those best practices and enforce governance and automate that, right? Because if you are a 10 people cloud center of excellence team, and if everybody in the company, the 2,000 developers needs to come through you, well, that's not an option that you want or they want, right? So how do you automate and scale that governance across your company? So meet service catalog, right? So AWS service catalog, think of that as a self-service IT vending machine that you can put in, in every AWS account. And this is where you're pre-provisioning the commonly requested AWS services products that your team needs across your company and give that out to your developers as a self-service mechanism, right? So you as the cloud admin, you're provisioning the products, what we call AWS service catalog products. These are nothing but CloudFormation templates that we looked at before on CloudFormation slide. And you can essentially organize those in the logical collection of you know, data scientist-based portfolio versus developer-based portfolio and things like that. So when a developer logs on to their account or use API or use CLI, they can essentially self-serve and create that infrastructure as part of their own CI-CD pipeline, right? So we talk about immutable infrastructure. So CI-CD, every time you push a new code, you want to kill the servers, redeploy everything, build everything from scratch. So, so using AWS Service Catalog and CI-CD, you can get to that immutable infrastructure as the, as the notion. So this is great for one account, but we already established that when you want to do things and automation, it needs to be at scale. And you probably have hundreds of AWS accounts, if not thousands. I routinely, routinely work with customers who have thousands of accounts. So how do they do this at scale, right? So this is where you can do the same thing in your hub account, right? So this could be your control tower master account. As a cloud admin, this is where you're setting up your products. Then you can, using AWS Service Catalog and, and AWS organizations, organization share capability, you can share that portfolio or set up portfolios across all the spoke accounts, right? 
So each developer, when they log in or use their respective AWS account, they still have the appropriate self-service products available to them, and you don't have to manage those in each spoke account. So you're only managing them in a centralized hub account. Our colleague, Ken, uh, he's gonna walk us through an actual demo on that, but this is how you can do self-service provisioning at scale, automate you know, using CICD and a framework like this. So using this, we have established like in order to truly leverage the cloud velocity, you should be able to tap into you know, self-service automation so the cloud administrators can have the governance, the compliance, the security, the financial spend management, whereas the developers can still continue to have the speed and the agility for which we are here. Right? And the last piece I'm gonna cover in one minute would be operations. Right? So when it comes to operation, the few aspects we really care about is you wanna know what's going on, right? So you wanna monitor. You need to know who, who did what. The control plane APIs. Somebody deleted an S3 bucket, somebody spin, uh, instantiated an EC2 instance. So things like that you need to know. So auditing is key. You also need to take some operational actions, right? So if you have thousands of accounts and if you have a bunch of EC2 instances running across all those accounts, when you wanna patch those armies, it's an operational activity and you wanna automate that, that's a common need. And then the last but not the least is the continuous improvement, right? You wanna constantly monitor your AWS ecosystem for could you optimize your spend? Could you optimize your performance? Could you optimize your architecture, right? So these are some of the operational commonly requested um, pain points. And under the management and governance set of services, we offer you AWS CloudWatch, which can help you with, with monitoring. We also offer you AWS CloudTrail and Config for auditing purposes. We have AWS Systems Manager that GoDaddy team is gonna walk us through how they're using it at scale to do the patch management. And then my favorite is AWS Trusted Advisor, that gets you, you know, that gives you a lot of insight based on the well-architected framework on things that you can improve. So using the insights from these tools, you can start to automate operational activities as well, right? So we looked at enable, we looked at provision, and we looked at operate. So those are the three aspects. If you automate those, you're definitely starting in the cloud at the right, on the right foot. So with that, I'm gonna invite my, my colleague Ken back on stage, and I'll be back again for a quick recap. Thank you, Sanjay. Okay, so Sanjay went over CloudFormation, Service Catalog, and what I'm gonna demonstrate to you now is how to share Service Catalog portfolios across different accounts. And we will do it, we will do it um, by, <clears throat> we will do it by running two processes using CloudFormation. And again, that's infrastructure as code. So the first process will be running what we call the hub account. And it will generate dynamically a CloudFormation template that has in it portfolios that can be shared with other accounts. So as we kick it off, we'll see that it's a CloudFormation template. And that CloudFormation template is gonna be called and kick the process off. We'll enter some stack name for parameters, and the way in which we'll share the cloud formation between the hub account and the spoke account can be many ways. We'll use email for the demonstration, 
but we can also use other methods to share the output of the hub process with the spoke account. <clears throat> so we'll click through the different um, screens to launch the CloudFormation template in the hub account. And now many different components will be created. Now these components, they'll see them scroll down the screen and there'll be components like Lambda, CloudFormation, API Gateway, um, storage buckets and things like that. Each one of these components takes a certain amount of skill set to create correctly, following the right management and governance, right, and compliance. Now, the infrastructure as code or CloudFormation, it enables that to be done repeatedly every time the correct way, following the right process and governance and management. So if we look in the target account, this is the spoke account, Service Catalog Portfolios, it's empty. And we also have Sipston Manager <coughs> um, documents, automation documents, that empower the end user to do things like back up a server by themselves, back up a Redshift warehouse by themselves. And those are custom system management documents that must be created. Again, it needs a lot of skill set to do this, but the automation will take care of it. So as we go through the uh, hub account um, CloudFormation template, you see it's creating an API gateway, it's creating um, buckets, um, it's creating roles and policies that go with the API gateway and the buckets, all very complicated. This is the portfolios in the hub account that we will share. And right now for the demonstration, automatically we will share all portfolios that has the word share in the portfolio name. So these will all be captured, the CloudFormation will be generated, and if we drill down into one of them, this data science one, we see that it has an EMR and a SageMaker product, um, service catalog product in it. And those will be created and they will be shared with the spoke account. So we are almost to the end here. And as I mentioned before, the output of the first process is to create a dynamic CloudFormation template and we will share it with the spoke account using a signed URL, which is simply one account sharing pro, um, content with another account without any cross role or a cross account permission necessary. Okay, so again, I copied it out of the output, but we can also do something like this where we, we can share it via email. So we can do email, we can do SNS, Everything that I'm demonstrating here, going through consoles, I'm doing it for the demonstration purposes, but again, this is all about automation, so we can automate everything. All right, so now we're gonna kick off the process in the spoke account. <clears throat> and the spoke account process, we will take the output of the hub account process, and then we'll kick off the CloudFormation template in the spoke account. And again, that spoke account will execute a process that will select a portfolio to be shared and then kick off a process that will request the share, accept the share, create a local portfolio, put the shared products in the local portfolio. And these are all steps that Service Catalog needs when it shares products and the automation takes care of it. So we've pasted the sign URL 
and we're just going through next. We're gonna give our stack name here, we'll call it um, spoke, and then we will select which portfolio we want to share, the hub account to share with us. We'll pick um, the easy products portfolio, and a portfolio, for those that you don't know, are just a collection of service catalog products or a collection of um, CloudFormation templates. Portfolio could have networking components, database components, and um, we'll talk about some more of that later. All right, so we've kicked off the process in the Spoke account, and now that Spoke account has kicked off uh, CloudFormation that will create service catalog products, it will create Lambda, it will create other CloudFormation. Both of these CloudFormation templates, both of these infrastructures code are dynamically creating other CloudFormation templates, other infrastructures code, and also launching it. All right, so we see that, you know, again, in this portfolio, or in this service, this CloudFormation template, we are creating buckets, we're also creating um, lambdas and permissions and roles to go with it. <clears throat> and again, key takeaway, lots of skill set is required for each and every one of these components. And now when it's built into the CloudFormation template, you can be very assured that it's gonna be done right each and every time. Here we are creating the CloudFormation template, some systems manager, automation docs. It's gonna be created in this particular steps. How many of you have worked with system manager Automation docs, okay, some of you, all right? And finally, it will create a local portfolio within the Spoke account and add the products that end users can then use. And end users can be developers, data scientists, um, users, marketing, um, administrators, anyone, okay? So we're going through, here's where we associate the products with the local portfolio, and in the next two steps, we will do create the roles that the end user will use to log in to the spoke portfolio and create the roles that the end user will use to launch in the products. All right, so we should almost be done in a couple of seconds. All right, so we have completed the process in the spoke account, and in a second we'll see the outputs, and we'll see that we create a lot of different things. One of the things we created is an SSN automation document that allows any service catalog end user to back up uh, EC2 instance if they deploy through service catalog, and that's the step there. <clears throat> okay, so we're gonna take a look at the end result of um, what was created. So before, there were no portfolios in the Spoke account. And when we do a refresh here, now we see that we have a portfolio, and in that portfolio are pocket, uh, products or buckets, Dynamo, data warehousing, and other items. The key takeaway here is, if you, everyone in this audience were using the Spoke account, each and every one of you now could deploy buckets data warehousing, using that service catalog portfolio, okay? Let's take a look at the automation document that got created. These are automation documents or, that we use with service actions within service catalog, and those are the ones that are default, and this is one that was just created. So now, if 
anyone in this audience uses service catalog to deploy an EC2 instance, you are empowered to back it up using that service action based on the automation document that got created. All right? Now, let's say you're all in the audience and you're, it's all your account, right? And now you want to log in. And let's see what the end user view is when you log into the Spoke account and go to service catalog. So we'll switch roles, so another component that's created through the automation. And now when we go to service catalog, we will see now that anyone in this account, given the right permission and access to service catalog, can now launch buckets, NoSQL databases with Dynamo, data warehouses, and anyone in this audience, if you're in that account, you could do that. Whether or not you have the knowledge in how to do it, because all of that knowledge is bundled into the service catalog product, which is based on CloudFormation, which will execute the deployment of those services in the right way, following the right management, governance, and compliance every single time. And that's the service catalog portfolio at the end there. And um, you know, again, key takeaway, everything you see on the screen, it is all somewhat complex if you're doing it manually, but if you use infrastructure as code and automate everything, you can, act, you can achieve the solution you want to empower your end users to address their business objectives as quickly as possible. And what could take you know, days was executed in like 10 minutes. And now your end users, whether they're data scientists, developers, um, whomever, can now use this product, service scale product, to deploy all of these different services. All right? All right, that um, completes the demo. And I will turn it over to my colleague from GoDaddy, Keaton. Thank you. Hey, everybody. So this time last year, uh, we were actually up here um, talking about various different AWS services as we embarked on a cloud migration journey from the GoDaddy perspective. And so GoDaddy, who are we? Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with us. Uh, we're working hard, essentially, to enable everyday entrepreneurs by delivering the various tools and services that they need to help them build and succeed in building their own independent ventures essentially fulfilling their dreams of standing up their own businesses and um, you know, delivering on what they want to do to accomplish in their lives. And so you can say that we also know a little bit about the internet. We've got about uh, 78 million domains under management. We're a global leader on uh, domain name registry. And we also service about 300,000 DNS queries per second. So you can say that we know a little bit about operating at scale and the importance of automation and how we go about um, simplifying our lives as we build these tools and services for these entrepreneurs. We've been fortunate enough to partner with 19 plus million everyday entrepreneurs globally around the world and hope to see that continue to climb. So this time last year, like I said, we were on a, we were on a journey. We were just decided as a company to kind of make that move into the cloud. We traditionally operated in a traditional on-prem data center model where you know, everything's in-house, bare metal, containerized solutions, but it's all things that we manage, networks that we provision, networks that we control. And so we had three core objectives that we wanted to accomplish as we made this decision to move to the cloud and move into AWS. One was move as fast as possible. 
we've got hundreds of teams and products that we had to move from on-prem into the cloud. And so obviously we had to find a way to do that in an efficient manner and automate and scale as much as we can along that way. With that, we also wanted to increase our engineering rigor and the way that application stacks um, not only performed, but also from a security perspective, how they operated. And with that, of course, you know, inherently you get increased availability and uptime and you know, all the performance metrics that you get with kind of raising that bar as we move teams into the cloud. So we're not operating kind of in a lift and shift model, more in a lift and re-architect to optimize to take advantage of the cloud. So last year, we put this up, and this was kind of what our concept of a landing zone was. When we first started down that path, we knew that there are certain things that we would have to automate to move faster. And the landing zone is one of those things that we really knew that we had to get in place. And so the VPC, um, obviously, is most landing zones. You've got to have a VPC for, uh, to define out your networking uh, core components. And we also incorporated a couple of other things in there from a monitoring and logging perspective as well. So some data pipelines to enable some streaming for teams from an operational perspective as they moved into the cloud to make not just the core infrastructure pieces of it easier for them, but also the you know, application and operational perspective of how they integrate their application stacks into the cloud using this core infrastructure. And so as we started down that path, we needed to obviously partner with AWS. They've been great partners over the past year and um, helping us define out what some of these services are that we can use. And you just heard uh, Sanjay and Ken kind of talk about those. So the first one that we looked at was the service catalog. What can the service catalog buy us that would, able, would enable us to move faster to move these hundreds of teams and products out into the cloud? And so last year we started down the path of essentially taking the service catalog and that portfolio construct that you heard Ken uh, talk about and kind of demo just before this. And so we decided, you know what, we're gonna take that portfolio and we're going to define out all of the AWS services that teams would need, tailor a product around it, and then put it into a portfolio for them, for, for the teams that are onboarding. And so we initially started with a single portfolio. So you're all familiar with the number, the hundreds of AWS services and products that are out there, all the number of different configurations you can put on them, and probably the hundreds more that are gonna get released out this week. And so trying to define those and put them into a, a portfolio that made sense for teams, we found that that one single portfolio didn't quite fit the bill. So we evolved over this past year, and we went into a model of what we kind of call architecture-driven landing zones. And by that, what I mean is that as every team onboards to the cloud, we go through an architecture review process with them. And we say, you know, at the core of it, what does your architecture look like? And so we bucket them into one of four, right now, uh, specific architectures. One can be uh, containerized, uh, so think about like EKS, ECS, Fargate, that kind of stuff. Um, serverless, uh, monitoring and logging, so teams that just need like an operational perspective uh, deployment in the cloud. And then the fourth one is the big data um, component of it. And so what we did with that single portfolio is that based off of the architecture that the team that's onboarding needs, we actually have a set of approximately 10 portfolios now that then get tailored into each of these landing zones. So let's say that you've got a team that wants to use EKS, and they've got a containerized stack that they're gonna deploy. Well, we'll take you know, five to six of those portfolios 
and provision only those as part of their landing zone deployment. So in Service Catalog, they no longer have to go in and take a look at the hundreds of different products that are in there and try to figure out what exactly it is that they need and where they can find it and how they can use it. They've really kind of got that custom tailored experience just to filter out all the noise, if you will, with all of the other products and just focus on the ones that they actually need. And so, you know, we found that this has enabled teams to kind of move a little bit faster, like I said. They're able to find the products that they need quicker. And they're really able to just kind of get up and running a little bit faster with that uh, approach. And so the other feature of Service Catalog that we're taking advantage of is the whole cost governance perspective of it. So, you know, finance, one of the worries, as I'm sure any finance team would have in moving to the cloud is, you know, for a company who's just embarking on that journey could be a bit of a pain point, a bit of a concern for finance. You know, they want to make sure that you, we've got guardrails in place that teams aren't going, um, you know, trying to take advantage of all the shiny bells and whistles that are out there with the various services and deploying out node types potentially that they don't really need uh, to leverage and just running away with a, a bill that, um, you know, obviously would have finance concern. And so we introduced um, template constraints on top of some of our products to kind of put guardrails in place so that teams essentially wouldn't have to worry about things like that. So let's take the EC2 product, for example. The EC2 product that we put into our compute portfolio, which is what we call it, has template constraints in place that would restrict teams from deploying out a GPU instance type. And so GPU instance types, you know, they have a very specific use case, um, obviously for bigger, um, you know, big data computing engine, that kind of um, scenario. And so while a team may be inclined to, like I said, pick like the biggest and shiniest thing out there to just deploy their stack onto, we put these constraints in place to kind of avoid some of those concerns from a finance perspective. And so with these um, kind of guardrails in place, you know, you get the enhanced experience from like the automation perspective. You let teams move a little bit faster. You put some of the cost governance and security guardrails in place uh, through these tailored products and service catalog. And those are all things that we have baked into that landing zone over this past year and kind of iterated on as well. And so the second service I'll talk to you about is uh, how we're using AWS's CloudFormation. So if you take a look back at uh, the landing zone, think about you know, the, the core VPC construct, think about the, the, um, the logging pipelines and, and streaming uh, platforms that are in there, they're all driven by CloudFormation stacks. So one of the core objectives for us on this cloud migration was that we needed to be able to move fast. And you know, moving hundreds of teams into the cloud as well, we needed to be able to kind of operationalize that as well. And so we needed to standardize what we're actually deploying out and what we're, as a cloud center of excellence, also managing so that we don't have that overhead of how we're trying to scale across these hundreds of teams and what we have to deploy out and how we keep control over that. And so CloudFormation Stacks is essentially how we're driving that. So from the VPC perspective, we've got a set of three standard VPC configurations that we'll deploy out for a team. So as part of that onboarding experience, we figure out, you know, what is their networking needs? And we've got, um, you know, we'll, we'll fit them into one of those three, depending on whether they need, they need direct connect, whether they're a public-facing application or if they're just going to be internally um, servicing our, our company. And it's all driven, again, by kind of a stack set that's just defined. So we just have to manage three different stack sets, and then that, that services the um, full array of the teams that we're onboarding and have onboarded over the past year. 
And so the other piece of that was, of course, the, lo the logging and data pipeline. So that, as well, is um, a CloudFormation uh, stack set that you know, gets deployed out into these accounts. But the thing with you know, standardizing some of this architecture was we also needed to give teams some of that flexibility. So not one size, like let's take an example, um, that logging pipeline. At the end of the day, it's a Kinesis stream, a set of Kinesis streams that goes out to Firehouse that goes out into a data sink. So, you know, think of Elasticsearch. So, you know, there will be teams that will be very heavy users of Elasticsearch and will be able to, will have the need to scale out that cluster, build out additional nodes, put, you know, uh, more storage behind it, and how they actually, um, you know, scale that, that component of it. So we started thinking about that, and how do we, you know, minimize the number of stack sets that we have to manage, but again, give teams that flexibility. And so we started looking at the systems manager service. And with systems manager, there's a parameter store feature built within it that essentially is that. It's a key value pair of, you know, different variables that you can put in. And we leverage parameter store to allow teams the ability to kind of flex, have that flexibility to deploy out and manage their own Elasticsearch clusters and grow them and scale them as they need it. So we have a single CloudFormation stack set that we roll out across teams that reference the parameter store that will allow teams to then build out their specific configurations but not break that whole stack set model under the hood for us. So we can still roll out changes as we need to if there's improvements that need to be made within that specific pipeline. We can push updates out to it, but it won't, man it won't um, mangle anything that they've got that they've configured for their own specific use cases. And so Systems Manager also has a service uh, feature called uh, the Session Manager service. And so when we moved into the cloud, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do along the way was raise the whole uh, security bar. And so along with that, we removed SSH access to all of our production nodes. We don't have 22 open to anything in the world. And ideally, teams should never need to hop onto the production box. But we all know that you know, production will, at some point, potentially go down or has something that you've got to troubleshoot. So with Session Manager, that gives you the ability to still get access to your compute nodes, but without still having that direct uh, network uh, ACL open to the world. And it's all driven by IAM policies that you configure and set up with your compute nodes out of the gate. You attach the right policies. You have a role that has access to Session Manager, and you can actually enable uh, getting onto the boxes. And so those are all things that we also have baked into the products inside a service catalog inside of our compute portfolio. And so it's all wired up and ready to go for teams out of the gate. And so when they actually are in that scenario where they need access, you know, we've got a way that has an automated feature to be able to do that for them. And so we come back here, take a look at the core landing zone, where we started. And if you think about the three services that we just talked about, Service Catalog drives the VPC core construct. CloudFormation helps us drive essentially the rest of, uh, you know, 90 to 95% of the VPC and the, the whole landing zone. And then that in-compute access for teams, like that in-cloud experience, helps get driven by Systems Manager and the various different services in there and helps them to have a more tailored experience. So we start with a standardized set, and then they can tailor that as they continue to go forward with some of those other features. And so, you know, over the past year, that's, um, 
we've had the ability to onboard, um, I think we're at about uh, over 500 plus landing zones at this point that we've provisioned. Uh, we're provisioning in them in under two hours. And that's all driven off of these three different services from an automation perspective. We've been able to scale and continue to deploy and update to these um, in an automated fashion. In fact, um, just as we were standing backstage, we saw a couple of new landing zone creates come through, all untouched and a developer experience that um, actually Jared will be coming out in a little bit to show you and how they went through that in an automated fashion. And so a quick uh, second example, um, I wanna show you about how we're using these services is if we go back to the no SSH access concept, right? So raising the security rigor along the way. One of the decisions that we made early on from a security perspective was that we were going to remove the, the need to patch. You know, we know we all love patching and how fun it is and you know, it's what we look forward to, but it was a time suck. Like it just, it, it, you know, you've got to, I mean, there's a certain amount that you can automate, but there's also a set amount of time that you still have to spend in patching. And we wanted to remove that for teams. We didn't want them to have to worry about that. Because at the end of the day, if they're spending time patching, they're not spending time innovating and building new features that will delight the customers and you know, allow us to scale and move faster and you know, just innovate. And so we came up with essentially a, what we call a golden AMI pipeline, where we start with a source AWS uh, AMI ID. We install some security bits on top of it. And then we, um, build, you know, we push out a golden AMI image that, uh, like I mentioned before, has no SSH um, daemon installed on it to begin with. And we bake that new golden AMI, again, into the compute products inside of the compute portfolio that are referenced from the parameter store with the AMI IDs that get pushed out to every LOB landing zone, line of business landing zone that we provision and those references are made directly out of the parameter store. So again, hands off, we can push out a golden AMI pipe, uh, a new golden AMI uh, image for teams, their parameter stores will get updated, they'll deploy out on a 24 hour cadence, a brand new compute node that will reference a new AMI ID that they again pull out of the parameter store. And it's all behind the scenes work that gets done for them. So again, they can just focus on building out their application stack and continuing to move forward from that perspective. So overlay this with the three services that we just talked about. Again, about 90 or so percent of this entire pipeline gets delivered by just these three services that we talked about in one form or another. And so, you know, over the past year, like I said, we're up to like 500 plus landing zones at this point. You know, we've onboarded um, a good number of teams as part of that process as well. But you know, at GoDaddy, we're never pausing to just kind of soak that in. We're always thinking about what's next. How do we take this experience and build on top of it? What new AWS features can we build and incorporate to streamline this experience even further? How can we make this even better to, again, enable us to move faster because we do have to do this at scale? And so to kind of talk about where we're going with this next, I'd like to bring out the leader of our developer experience team, Jared. We'll take you on that journey. <laughs> Give me one second here. Oh, my goodness. 
All right, like, like I mentioned in my intro, my name is Jared, uh, software development manager here at GoDaddy. And we, we, I've run a small team. We created something called the uh, developer experience and for onboarding to the public cloud. What does that actually mean? Um, before we get into that and actually talk about our onboarding portal, um, show of hands real quick. How many engineers, ICs, security folks do we have? Show of hands, how many folks here? Majority. Where's my uh, the program product folks? Where are all my program product folks? Anybody? Anybody way up there? A couple here and there. What about marketing? Let's see how low we even get. How many marketing folks are here? As expected. Cool. Uh, the unique thing we're going to go over today. This is for anybody. We developed this experience on top of everything you've seen today for anybody at GoDaddy. So it's truly unique. Something you're not going to see anywhere. And we're going to jump into it. So recap. Sanjay and Ken came on. Uh, they gave us a great uh, run through about the business agility using Control Tower. Ken came on and said, okay, here's the layers on top of what we've done GoDaddy. And I'm going to come on and talk about the one-stop shop. Uh, again, this is for everybody. Everybody who wants to get out to AWS, this is the platform they are actually going to use. We simplify it. So if we look at that simplification, got a nice little pyramid. All we're doing is increasing the automation. Uh, Ken talked about GoDaddy was on stage a year ago, right here at reInvent, we talked about it. We talked about this onboarding portal. At that time, it was a bunch of screenshots, so <laughs> we didn't have much to show, but it was an idea, a concept. Uh, six months later, or about eight months later, we had our first run of it, and we started onboarding everybody at GoDaddy, and Ken talked about the hundreds of teams we've done them out of time, but that's all we're doing. We're increasing the level of automation to the nth level. So, wanna quickly get into this demo. Um, so, everybody in the room, we're gonna do a little role playing. Everybody's gonna be a GoDaddy engineer today. Um, what are we gonna do? Uh, GoDaddy, we have food trucks that show up. So I said, okay, let's do a food truck ordering app. Why not? Um, we're gonna go through it right now. And again, this is gonna be a live demo. Uh, we're gonna see how well this goes. Uh, so we're gonna do it right now. We've already actually on our, we've already got our budget approved. So part of this portal that we're not gonna see today, you can actually go through finance. So if you need funding for an idea, a concept, you wanna get started, we actually automate that through this portal as well. So our background, you don't need anything. Again, simplification for everybody at GoDaddy, you, we have to have it as, hey, I'm, you know, maybe I've searched Stack Overflow, Google some stuff. That's the level of entry I'm coming in and knowledge. So with that, let me switch over to our live demo here. Give me one moment. Let's switch over to demo. We got a demo? All right. So this is our landing page where we send all of our users. We'll go ahead and jump in and we'll go to our dashboard, look at our, we have our food truck app here on the left. And this is some of the basic information about what the team is, what they've done, some messages they've received recently. Um, our budget, again, talked a little bit about the finance side. That's all automated ahead of this. But if we had spent some money, we would actually get that back. So uh, from Cost Explorer, we actually bring it back in and tell folks, hey, this is what you're spending. Here's how close you are to your monthly budget. So without further ado, let's just jump in. So we want to spin up a brand new account again for this food truck app or the food truck app. Our project details pulls in, already knows our account name. Oh, we just need to enter a team DL. So this is something we send the accounts over to. So let's do food truck devs at GoDaddy.
There goes the live demo, right? Like it immediately just immediately fails us. Not getting any validation. Come on. All right, we're actually, let's go ahead and we'll switch back because, yep, this is what we have to prepare for. So let's switch back to the laptop. Cool. So we'll start here and we'll jump right in, right back into where we were. Come on, video. Yeah, we got this part. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, catch up. Man, if it can go wrong your first time at AWS, it can. We tried. We want to do it as a full demo. So we'll go in, we'll jump to get the account going here, uh, and we'll get through this flow real quick. So we've actually, we'll go ahead and enter the same team DL, and this one will work, I promise. It's through the video. So again, this is all getting it to show folk or to actually send it, you know, our actual accounts once they're created, spun up. If we have some other information, then we throw it to them. Um, but we operate from this DL. Cool. So our next step. Um, when you knew who's on the team, uh, so you don't have to know about IAM policies. You don't have to know about roles. You don't have to go and set everything up manually. Sanjay talked about at the very beginning how many steps are actually involved in that. So here we're going to go ahead and we'll throw myself on the team. Uh, we'll assign a role to it. We have a couple different roles. Again, those are all tied to IAM policies. On the left there, it actually tells you what's actually going on. So it gives you a little bit more insight. And then down there at the bottom, you can actually see it building our accounts. Um, and then I'll put Ken out there who was just out. So Ken can be power user, finally. Uh, Demetrius Combs, our VP at GoDaddy. Um, I don't want him messing with stuff, so he gets read only. Beyond that, I need a deploy role. Uh, so we actually have it separated, so everybody has one deploy role, hide the creds. That way it works magically. So we'll get into the meat and potatoes. Kit, on the right there, you see our VPC, our default landing zone, excuse me. Uh, kind of see the details around it. Uh, this is what was Ken showing was off, so again, give it to the users. Show them off the first time this is actually what's going on. And then we got some uh, legalese text of everything else. Hey, this is what a couple of notes as you go in through this process. So we talked about, Ken talked about our unique portfolios. So these are, we actually call these architects. Uh, all the architectures actually are a combination of portfolios. Um, and then you can see all the services. You could actually click into these and get all the information uh, actually from AWS and our own if we had questions about that. But for the purpose of this demo, we're going to stick with our EKS portfolio. Our architecture has the most portfolio, most services built into it, and we'll go from there. So now that we've kind of talked about our architecture, we understand what services we needed. Okay, let's talk about networking articles. What do we need to know for a VPC? So a little hard to read at the top there, but do you need Direct Connect? Do you need to access anything uh, internally at GoDaddy? Okay, that's, that's kind of nice. To understand, and we kind of show that there if I needed it, cool, our, our landing zone changes, but you know, we don't need it for this one. So we'll say no, this food truck ordering app's gonna be kind of standalone, nothing out there now that we need to access. And then something else we do, uh, we actually pull in all your CIDR blocks, let you know, again, if, you're, if it's a private app, public app, what do you need? How many IPs? What are your IP blocks? We actually bring that in to show the users. We talk about regions. Here's all the GoDaddy approved regions that we actually allow our users to deploy out to. And then, you know, again, how many availability zones recommend to, obviously, for failover. So the last screen here we'll fill out is on call. Uh, I think everybody in the room knows 
sometimes things don't go right. And so this is actually tied to our internal systems for on-call. So again, we ask the users, hey, what's your on-call? Just tell us, we'll take care of everything else. Um, same thing with Slack channel. So uh, if our CloudWatch, our SNS messages that pop off, we actually pipe them right into your Slack channel. So you give us your development Slack channel, send everything directly to you. Again, they don't need to know about how to set it up, they just need, we just need to know where to send stuff. So make it really easy for folks. So we'll go to our confirmation screen, review of all of our goodies here, and say, hey, this all looks right, and we'll send it off. So after it's sent off, um, again, we're looking through all of our architectures, make sure everything's right, normal confirmation before you check out kind of screen uh, to make sure it's all looking fancy and way to go. So you'll hit next. We'll get a little uh, screen saying, hey, this all looks great. And a couple hours, usually it's about two hours, developers starting coding. So, uh, and there it is. That is literally the amount of time it takes to spin up an account and send off your information. The amount of information you need to provide us at GoDaddy to get going. So, what does that actually mean? Let's recap real quick. Uh, we did a bunch of role management, set of VPCs, uh, did the Slack channel with, for our CloudWatch alerts. Took us minutes. We're writing code in hours. That is huge. If we look back without automation, you're, you're multiple steps. Sanjay talked about this in terms of the VPCs. You had 60 plus steps. You have 100 steps uh, just to set up the, all those services and accounts. So your input time gets moved to days, and you're writing code in weeks. So big difference there. So going to talk about, uh, we've kind of covered all these, but again, just high level standard architectures and our cost governance and security. That's what it's there for. That's great. There's a great value to have. Uh, Ken talked about our landing zone creation and deployments. Uh, we make it, again, super easy for folks to go out there, select something, and move forward. So we're probably, that's great, Jared. What does that actually all mean? Let's look at some numbers behind this. 200 accounts. That's what we've done. About 500 landing zones. 2,500 2,500 hours we've saved folks by just automating. Every account we put out there, 5K. That scales over time for any company, any business. So automation, Ken talked about our golden IMEAR, about our rotation and uh, not needing to patch an update. We do hundreds of these a day. Again, we talk about patching update, what that means to folks. That becomes priceless. When, you can, when engineers don't have to pull in stories, Product managers don't have to sign them for patching update, and you get to work and deliver customer features. That feature becomes priceless. So, a couple success stories. Um, our biggest one, we actually uh, migrated one of our teams, our domain services team. Uh, they spun up eight landing zones, two sprints of production. That's all it took. Uh, we have our Cal Lake one. I'm gonna skip that one. Talk about uh, Hackathon. Everybody familiar with Hackathon? We run our Hackathon through this. We can spin up accounts quickly for a 24-hour, 48-hour hackathon and tear them down quickly. So seeing about everything GoDaddy's been doing uh, from our portfolios on how fast we get folks to do uh, and get everything up and running, seeing some values of time and money, what it saves, and then a couple success stories. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sanjay. Uh, he has a few closing remarks for us. Awesome job. Thank you, Jared, for that amazing insight and making it real, right? So we talked about foundation and how Kathan, Ken, and Jared kind of made, uh, showed us how it all can be put into practice. So quick recap, why automate? Because you want to innovate faster. 
right? What to automate? Everything. How to automate? This is where think management and governance AWS services, right? So that's, there's a big category there. There's cloud formation. There's AWS service catalog, AWS control tower, things like that. Then we looked at the demo to see how this all can be put together. So Ken showed us you know, how to do the hub and spoke at scale. And then GoDaddy walked us through their last two years of migration journey and how they have automated things at scale. So that was, you know, that just shows the possibilities are endless. So as a next step, I'm sure when you go home after like a week of, you know, drinking from the fire hose, you're gonna come back and you're gonna have, you know, questions. At that time, I want you to note this email. Shoot us an email to us. We are here to help. We can, you know, address your questions. Some nice to read blocks, there's one about data science that I wrote earlier this year, how to do self-service data science. Intuit uh, jointly did one with AWS on data lake provisioning and automating that. Uh, whatever stuff Ken showed us today, he's writing one blog that's supposed to come out you know, early next year, so keep an eye out on management and governance channel of AWS blogs. If you liked what Jared showed, that UI is gonna be open sourced next week, December 11th. So you can follow that blog to keep an eye on it. Uh, as you build, you may get you know, questions, you might get stuck. So we do have AWS professional services. We do have partners. You can reach out to your account teams as well. And we do have AWS IQ, a service that we just launched a couple of months ago where you can find third party, you know, independent, uh, certified expertise to get your project done. That team is actually doing a usability testing on Wednesday, so if you wanna participate and kinda take a sneak peek of what's gonna come down the pike, they're giving out Starbucks gift cards, so I, I say go check them out at AWS Village in the Expo Hall. So again, in closing, in summarizing, we're in this together. As you saw, AWS is unusually customer obsessed, and we're also unusually long-term oriented. And the fact that GoDaddy was on stage with us last year, they are on stage with us this year, and I'm hoping they'll be on stage with us next year, just shows fundamentally how committed we are to all of you. And together, we're gonna be building, and hopefully reInvent gives us that inspiration, and what GoDaddy showed us gave us some more inspiration. So let's go together, let's build more, let's automate more. With that, I wanna thank all of you for taking the time, and I wanna reinvite everybody back on stage.